Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. In this podcast, we talk to experts in and around the analytics industry. One week, we may talk to a data scientist from a FANG tech company. Then the next week, we may talk to a data engineer or business analyst, or even I may pull one of my consulting clients so you get to hear from an executive on how they use data to drive business decisions day in and day out. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm the founder of Silvertone Analytics, which is a boutique consulting agency that focuses on analytics for medium to small-sized businesses. I'm also a professor at Greensboro College, where I teach analytics. Most recently, I have founded the Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Program, which melds these two job functions together. This is your opportunity to work directly with me and one of my clients. The Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Program is a three-month program. In the first month, you're going to be completing the Analytics Foundation Certification backed by Greensboro College. Then in month two, you're going to be taking that knowledge base that you developed in month one and applying it out in the field where you're going to be working with one of my client's executive teams, where you're going to be solving a business problem using data and analytics tools. Then in the third month, we're going to bring it all together with a full month of career services. Now, this is going to be quite a bit different than the typical career services at a university or a college. Here, I'm going to help you build a professional brand around where you are as an analyst. So in the first month, you have worked with a ton of different data sets. We're going to take the data sets that really resonate with you to help you hone in on your ideal entry-level job. We're going to build a Tableau public portfolio around that area of expertise. We're going to razor focus your resume and LinkedIn. And I'm also going to coach you on how to talk about yourself in an interview setting. So if you're ready to break into the analytics space, 
head over to learn.silvertoneanalytics/apprenticeship. And there you can learn more about the program, and if you're interested, you can apply. With all that being said, let's start the podcast episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So we have a very controversial episode. Jason Kranz has an argument to make, and that argument is that data hard skills or analytics hard skills are increasingly becoming commoditized. So I'm going to let you defend yourself. Jason, what's your argument for this? Absolutely. So I will preface this by saying um, the argument I'm making is by no means to undermine the overarching importance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These are very important skills. Um, They make the world go round in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. The point that I make is that with these skills becoming commoditized, people often ask, what do you mean? And what I mean by this is that there's substitutes available. If we think about this as any other commodity, there's a large pool of individuals that are capable of doing this within a certain level of, of quality, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. If I needed a pretty high-end SQL developer, I can go get those pretty quickly on a variety of platforms in a variety of different countries. Um, those are things that could be do, done remotely without any trouble at all. I would say the differentiation comes in that upper tier that, you know, like anything else, it's, it's that high upper tier of performance where there's substantial differentiation. But, um, you know, one of the things I look at is just with the advent of the new generation of tools that are coming out, the technical, the, the moats that exist around these legacy uh, technical skills is becoming less and less and less. And one of the stories I like to use is this is like back in the day, I used to do my own SSIS uh, packages, right? I would, I would program all the stuff myself and I prided myself on putting together a good workflow around this stuff. And then I heard about this tool called Alteryx and I'm like, I, I hated it. I'm not going to lie. I hated it. Because I'm like, that's for rookies. That's for people that don't know what they're doing. It's, re- it's a joke. So finally, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it out. And so I tried it out and it, it was magical. It's something that used to take me eight hours to do. I could do it in 15 minutes. So I finally realized that I might be being a bit ridiculous if I'm not embracing this process. But the broader lesson learned within the scope of this topic was you don't need specialized skills to go do that stuff. Now, it's not to say that those skills aren't inherently still valuable within a number of situations. Um, but if you had somebody that had a pretty basic knowledge of data structures and, and how to use, use data, things like that, they could use a tool like an Alteryx or, or many of the other tools that exist like that and start using it to do something that before was restricted to the realm of highly specialized individuals. Mm-hmm. That they were the, You needed to go through these people to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why I say this is this is true for a variety of technologies. And again, I'll reiterate, because I think this point gets missed, is that that is not to say that these are not important skills. If you're going to play the data science or analytics game, these are things that you need to be able to do. So in a lot of situations, my opinion is the true differentiation comes from the stats professional that is good with R, but can also clearly articulate how stuff translates to a business situation. Mm-hmm. Those two in, in combination are extremely rare in my experience, right? They, they, they create a lot of value. So the value isn't in the R or Python or SQL or whatever it is by itself, unless unless that is your job, in which so case- what would you call that? What would you call the that specific? So he knows, his stats are and knows, what is that third thing? Because I feel like that's the new differentiator, but I mean- Yeah, that could yeah. Be, I could be off the, on that. No, that's where I <laughs> All right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm with you. So I, I like to use plain English. I would just call it business knowledge, right? Because mm-hmm. w- with business knowledge comes the ability to think critically around how mm-hmm. this stuff applies, right? I, I tend to take, I'm, I'm biased. Mm-hmm. I have a very end user customer centric view. My philosophy is nobody really, nobody cares how the flux capacitor works. They want time travel, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so the idea, the idea is, is the, the, and I lived it. I've lived it for years. The business doesn't care. They don't care about your stats package or your yeah. PD value or whatever. How do I use this to actually improve my business? I'm living it right now with a solution we built really quick. Um, we built an RV forecast product. Business is like, this is great. The dealers were going to, the end user. The, the universal question is, how do I use it? How does it help me run my business better? And, and this is universal. And so the reason why I say this is because there's there's a ton of immense talent, I would say bottled up benefit kind of in this technical realm where we need, we need this bridge to unleash it. Mm. And this is where what I'm saying is that to unleash it is not more technical skills because, yeah. you know, th- that's not it. The bridge is that little bit of understanding that business knowledge because it's perspective. It's, it's a lens to look at things. And as you're developing these solutions to help say, you know what? I know my customer asked for A, B, and C. I'm pretty sure based off what they're co- trying to accomplish, D, E, and F would also be of interest. Can you imagine that? If, if a developer, you know, and I understand, I, I live the life. I know you've got to work towards a spec or whatever it is, but this is where it's kind of like the business lens can help uh, iterate those questions better. You can ask better questions so that you're designing something that's more effective up front. But mm-hmm. it, to, to bring it back is that also too, if we think about this, if AI lives up to one one hundredth of its potential in terms of coding mechanisms and self-coding, whatever it may be, um, you're not going to need as many people that have those skills. And so for those individuals that are focused on that specific, like we were talking about before, like COBOL, well, you know, it could just go the wayside because there's just not as much demand there. So, you know, it's not to say that these technical skills, they're, they're valuable. You join my team. There's certain skills that you have to have, but those are table stakes. Those are commodities. If you want to be on my team or in a lot, in a, in a lot of these other teams, you have to be able to do that. And again, you, you combine that with some of these other things and it's very powerful. So I'll stop. What are your thoughts? Well, honestly, this conversation reminds me of of my very first conversation with you on on your (laughs) podcast. And we were talking about how, you know, Excel in its early days used to be what you would learn in master's programs Yeah. and SQL, what you learn in master's programs. And it's simply safe in this competitive dynamic economy today's differentiators are tomorrow's prerequisites. Oh, absolutely. And you think so, I mean, but the only thing that can't be commoditized is, is domain knowledge and personal skills. There you go. So that, that is the thesis statement for why I encourage people in the technical realm to go get some of that mm-hmm. because there's, you, you, you can't Google strategy, right? You, you, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, stack overflow for soft skills. Um, these are things that you, you have to live, you have to experience, and to your point, because they are harder to develop, and they take more time, and there's no playbook, they are defendable, right? If we look at this within the scope of career development, mm-hmm. if you're doing it and others aren't, you have a sustainable competitive differentiator. Mm-hmm. I say it all the time, my technical skills were never the best, ever. 
Mm. I could run circles around my competition because the business was like, that guy gets what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. We want him on our team. And, and again, it's, it's, and I'm not saying that to make it about me, but what I'm saying is that if, you're, if your technical skills are here and your competition's here on the tech realm, but your competition's business knowledge is here and yours is here, yeah. that delta is, is worth its weight in gold. You, you can literally mm-hmm. write your own ticket. And I loved your analogy about Excel You know, in, in the teaching of that. Um, one of them I use is, you remember when the internet first came out and people would put on their resume, I can use the internet. <laughs> I can do search. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly. Well, it's 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 a vast exaggeration of that concept, but that's exactly it. It's great. So can everybody else, right? Um, and it's again, it's not to undermine its importance because it's essential. I would say to function in today's society. But um, yeah, I, I love your analogy there. All right. So in the spirit of debate, I'm going to push back on you. Right do it. Now. Do it. Um, you've said business. Wait, would you? So is your argument that? it's like a skill stack. So it's, you have technical knowledge with your business knowledge. Sure. I think that that's not far. I don't think that's a differentiator. I think anybody can read a business book. I think it's, it's applying your technical skills in a specific, I call it business acumen in a specific business acumen to have a quantitative or yeah, quantitative result. So you can, and this kind of gets back to the conversation we had off air before of like, you're you have a consulting agency that is financially financial analytics centric my consulting agency is more sales marketing analytics centric but when i'm pitching clients i can say oh yeah you know we we uh, developed a a program that web scraped um, e-commerce data and found a five million dollar under optimization and the pricing model yeah i would say that is the true differentiator but although i mean it may be different because we're in the consulting space to where mm-hmm. I don't think most employees have that. I don't know if it's a privilege. I, I wouldn't say it's a privilege because it's like we went out, landed that business, solved that problem, and then yeah. sat down with the owner of that business and quantified it. Yeah. Well, and see, the thing is, is I, I love that example. It's a brilliant example is that the quantification, though, starts with kind of that, that business savviness. Because if you don't have an understanding of, of what they're trying to do or what matters to them, you, you could you could quantify a metric that doesn't mean anything to them. Consequently, it doesn't resonate with them. So that's where I, I basically I, I 100% agree with you. And I love the pushback because this is how we have good conversations. Okay. Um, but it's the idea that, you know, like you said, you, you mentioned reading a business book. One of the analogies I use is Michael Jordan can tell you how to shoot a basketball. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're going to shoot like Jordan. You need to get out there and you actually need to practice and do it. So it's yeah. one thing to read the theory. Um, it's a vastly different situation to actually live it. And that's why I encourage people to, at at a bare minimum, expose themselves to that Mm -hmm. side. Um, Because the thing is, is I know having made that journey, once you get exposed to kind of the mindset, and if you pay attention and you're open to that evolution, you you can grow in ways by developing that lens over there. But then as you alluded to, uh, you actually know you didn't allude to, you said exactly is that, Mm it helps you frame what you do and how it adds value. Mm-hmm. And that's why, because now what you're doing is you're taking that skill, like, again, that skill set. using that example, you're, if you're doing the same thing, the, the commodity, the, the value isn't from what you're technically doing. It's in the positioning of it. My, my take is it's in the positioning of that to translate that to business value. Mm-hmm. So, so this is where it's like the commodity is the, the, the technical skill set. Again, I, not to underemphasize it. It's, Importance because that is that's difficult work, 
Mm. But you make the sale because they see you you added five million dollars to my bottom line or top line. Or right. Well, see, and then this is also where sales comes in because just because I showed them a five million dollar under optimization doesn't mean they actualize that. But sure. I would say that value was legitimately worth X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and and that's so. it. Is, is you know I I but I love your example there of because those are real situations of where. The, the the potential is unleashed right mm-hmm. and then to your point then it's you know do they execute on it the analogy i like is you're giving them a solid weight loss program in terms of diet and exercise and then they need to execute on it in order to realize that jason when i went to look on your website i loved how like when you showed the results of the different types of work that you did you would show the increase in sales revenue and the abita on there yeah. as well yeah yeah, which is earnings before, you know, interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Um, mm-hmm. But in economics, we just call it profit. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. but, you know, Ibitas, you know, that's obviously that impresses the C-suite. And, you know, can I, can I think of, about, you know, this is all great, but th- if I was a student, mm-hmm. knowing that I need to know these hard skills, Mm-hmm. and know how to have the domain knowledge and have the, the enough personal skills to be able to monetize that value. That's a lot of hats to wear. That's very intimidating. And, and you know, I'm coming from the approach to, of an economist where like there's value in specialization. And I, I feel that the market is underserved for this middle tier, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a new pattern of specialization and trade, and I'm borrowing from Arnold Clean to give, give him credit with that, um, is that they, you have the quants, the data scientists, the all-stars in that area. There's always going to be a need for them. That needs, supply is meeting demand there. Mm-hmm. Then you got the C-suite. There's always going to be a C-suite. Absolutely. But what's being undersupplied is that data translator in between the, those who have mm-hmm. enough data liter- literacy to show them the money behind mm-hmm. what is being done with the data. And I guess I should give Koopa Gooding Jr. that credit. So. But, <laughs> well, the, no, you're, you're, you're spot on is like, you know, uh, the reason why I like to talk about this is, as I mentioned before, is that it's not that this is the end all be all, but it's to get people to think, right? As we're creating that roadmap of where we want to go. It's not saying you have to be all those things. To your point, uh, there is immense value in specialization. There, there's a lot of value in playing these different roles, right? Like, I, I play Mario Kart with my kids, right? And you, you look at those attributes, speed and, and mm-hmm. you know, all those other things. It's the same attributes for people in their career uh, in terms of what do you want to play, right? That middle is very balanced across the board. Your specialist is going to have, you know, five bars of performance and, and other things and they're going to be one and others. So the reason why I highlight these things is more to bring transparency to the factors, to the attributes that drive success because for a lot of people, I think it's all technical. And what I'm saying is that my philosophy is that the f- maybe that has been historically true, but the future state as you're kind of, a, you just talked about these analytics translator roles and, and creating value is that there's actually a lot of different positions and different positions will work better in different situations and courses. Mm-hmm. And based on what career path you want to go down, that technical role might not make a lot of sense. So let's look at those other attributes that as you're developing yourself, you need to think about. It's not, to your point, to develop all those skills to expert level would take 20 years. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's intimidating, you know, but as I, as I tell people is that, you know, you're, you're going, your, your career is a marathon. 
don't think about the whole marathon. Think about mile one. Go run, go run, go get those baseline skills, as we talked about before, that are going to help you immediately and create value. Mm-hmm. But then progress with that, the, the mindset of, you know what, um, as I mentioned uh, before, I know I need to build out my technical, or not my technical skills, my business skills. So I'm going to make this lateral move, knowing that it's in alignment with my goal mm-hmm. of developing business skills uh, without abandoning your broader plan. And so, um, because I do think that middle, that middle ground is, there's so much value. That's where I think the next leap in data and analytics is going to come from. Again, it's unleashing the power of these impressive technical skills and capabilities and getting in the business, you know, getting the value out of that, that, that middle ground. And the thing is, is here, I know that's a buzzword. Um, there's been people that's doing that have been doing that, but I think actually that's one buzzword I embrace because it's creating awareness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's putting it front of mind of people. And now business people who thought it was all technical before realize, actually, I can go play that position because I've already got four bars and three of the attributes. Yeah, I just need to come up to speed a little bit on these other technical things mm-hmm. and I can start to play that role. Um, so, so the overarching theme with all of this for me is, is not that um, I'm right or somebody else is wrong or whatever. Yeah. It's more around an awareness campaign to have conversations that aren't as common that's that's one of the reasons why i really like what you guys do is because you're having conversations to get people to think differently about the opportunities that exist within this space well i feel like you just put a pin in it yeah jason thank you so much for coming on i I, I think that you successfully defended your argument well, you know what? I actually, I really liked your counter argument. I actually, I actually really like debate because it, it, um, it forces. I feel disagreeable, so don't worry. I'm gonna let you know exactly how I feel. <laughs> but no, thanks a lot for the opportunity, guys. You guys are, you guys are crushing it and keep up the great work. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious. Were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.